Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation, followed by the fog light prayer. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Ryan. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, We're going to start the meditation in a minute, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or that will distract others for the duration of this meeting. The coffee area will be closed for this portion of the meeting so as to minimize distractions. Also, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. Uh, For the meditation, some suggestions are focus on your breath and posture. Breathe in God and breathe out self. Take this time to get reconnected to God and let the craziness of the day drift away. Ask God to help you stay focused on the big book study. Is everybody ready? Thank you. 
fog light prayer. If you don't know it, just repeat after me. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. By the way, those of you who can't see it, we got 10 people in this room right now. And they're sitting about six feet apart each. So should we have our, uh, our secretary's report? Hi, my name is Mark, and I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hey, Mark. Keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. The baskets are now going to go around. While the baskets are going around, I've asked Bobby to come up here and read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. So here's Bobby. How are you doing? I'm Bobby and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Bobby. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have seen restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Bobby. 1940s big book style sponsorship. From the forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to A and really tried, 50% of them got sober at once and remained that way. 25% of them sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should his sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for next time everyone joins us. We meet every Monday promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. See you next week. We do take contributions via Venmo, uh, Zelle, um, so if you still wanted to contribute, um, just uh, message us and we'll, we'll help set that up. Um, and then also, all of the stuff that we have available for retail is still available. So if you want to get any of that, we can facilitate that as well. Um, so from the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we have Alcoholics Anonymous for more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. From There is a Solution, also from the big book, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism in our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you do not need to identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. On the topic of anonymity, we are being podcast as always, and because of this fancy virus, we're also on video apparently. So uh, if you do not want yourself to be uh, heard, there's a microphone behind the camera. Just go ahead and just don't walk up to the camera and say anything. And you won't be heard and, uh, or seen. Yeah. All right. I guess it's too late for us, but that's all right. And I want to acknowledge everybody that is, uh, yeah, peekaboo, right? Uh, everybody that's listening and, and watching. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Uh, can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the first time? 
no one because there's 10 home group members here. Um, can I see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Awesome. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Uh, does anybody need a big book? Because we do have a few loaners, um, but it is best to bring your own. Yes, especially now. Yeah. Before we begin our study of the big book, last week we reviewed a tradition from the back of the book, uh, but we're not going to do that this week. We still respect, I just spit everywhere, we still respect <laughs> the traditions, uh, but we're just not going to do a presentation on the tradition this week. So if you are interested, you can read the 12 and 12 or look in the back of the big book. Um, in order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. Tonight, we have Mark up here reading, who also was secretary. So thank you, Mark. <laughs> We're going to begin on page 32, which is in chapter 3 of the big book, the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that'll be read by Mark. Um, after the page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium starting back at the top of the page. Uh, the answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified, and multi-part questions are simply a one-sentence answer split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is that we are going to read the material once through and then redissect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. Uh, this is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. Uh, after we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. If you've had a spiritual experience with this information, you're free to share. However, a big book study is not therapy. Should you or I begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship setting, please do not be offended when Mike Chase cuts that conversation short. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study time. You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps, is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. So we didn't just start here. We sure didn't. And more about alcoholism. Um, how many weeks ago did we start? It's been about 62, maybe? 63? I don't, I don't know. I'm making that off. I, I, I think that, that seems a little high. Yeah. <laughs> 33. I'm getting a 33 from the back. So, yeah, we started 33 weeks ago uh, back in, the, in page zero. Page zero is the very first page when you open it up and you have just the little cover there. And we talk about what uh, the history of Alcoholics Anonymous is. If I'm going to be going to AA meetings for the rest of my life, it might be a good idea to know what Alcoholics Anonymous is and where it came from. So we talk about uh, how Bill met Dr. Bob in Akron, Ohio, and how he realized, well, he had been relieved of his drink obsession by what? By a sudden spiritual experience. So that was the solution. And he realized that in order to save himself, he had to pass his uh, message on to Dr. Bob. And that's how the first AA group was formed, though no one realized it at the time. And then we talk about the mushrooming process and how everything kind of exploded in the different forwards. And, and then it ends with saying, uh, modem to modem or face to face, AA speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. 
So that's uh, a beautiful sentiment. And then we get into the next segment of the book. Uh, yeah, then we jump into the doctor's opinion. Um, and the doctor's opinion is going to kind of paint a picture of what alcoholism is. Uh, so Dr. Silkworth explains to us that uh, this is a threefold disease. It's a spiritual malady, it's a mental obsession, um, and it's a physical allergy. Um, and he's also the first one in this book that kind of hints the idea that we need a spiritual, a spiritual remedy to our problem. Um, and he uh, was not good enough to write us these letters of endorsement for the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I, I, the thing I love about the doctor's opinion is that you might not catch it if you're just reading this by yourself just for some uh, light reading material, but um, there's, there's God all over these pages. Um, so that's why I love being able to sit down with a sponsor and go through this work. Um, but now that we know what alcoholism is, um, we get to jump into another chapter that's going to show us what alcoholism looks like, and that's... Bill's story. In Bill's story, we have the story of Bill Wilson, who is the author of much of this big book and one of our co-founders, and we get to see what the disease of alcoholism looks like in a real live human being. So Bill Wilson was no dummy. He was somebody that went to a night law course and was an investor on Wall Street and actually pioneered value investing, which is instead of just betting on stocks, they would find out what the companies consisted of. And so he made a lot of money and made a lot of other people a lot of money. He was very successful, but he was also an alcoholic. And so he ended up uh, after Wall Street crashed, getting into a brawl with a taxi driver and going to Canada and getting fired from his friend's place in Canada and moving in with his uh, wife's parents. And then one of them died and the place was taken over by the mortgage holder. And then he would hit, hide liquor everywhere. And so he really went from triumph to tragedy and then he heard an old school friend was coming over, and that old school friend was sober, and the old school friend came over and introduced him to God. And Bill wasn't ready for that conception of God, so the old school friend said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And then that worked. That melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow Bill had stood and shivered for many years, and Bill stood in the sunlight at last. He went through the full program of action and then was nice enough to write it down for us in this book so that we could all recover. And then after chapter one, which is Bill's story, we have the second chapter. We have There's a Solution. Um, so in Bill's story, it, uh, it talked about him having a spiritual solution and that, and that being the, the remedy to his problem. Um, so in There's a Solution, um, it starts out by telling us about the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the fellowship is an amazing thing, right? But um, the fellowship isn't the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, the thing that binds us together in the fellowship is that not only do we have a common problem, but we also have a common solution to that problem. Um, so we talk about the solution um, being a spiritual experience, right? Um, goes into the story of Roland Hazard and him working with Dr. Young. Um, and Roland was with Dr. Young for a year, you know, talking about what his triggers were and people, places, and things. And, you know, he thought he had it under control. And he left and was drunk before he knew it, right? And he goes back to Dr. Young, and he's, and he's asking him, what happened? Like, how could this have happened? You know, and Dr. Young says, you know, I can't do anything to help you. You have to have a spiritual experience. The only time I've seen anybody with a condition like yours, a.k.a. a real alcoholic, recover from this is by having a complete psychic change. Um, so that brings us into the chapter that we're in tonight, more about alcoholism. So I want to... More About Alcoholism is known as the chapter on relapse, affectionately, by some of us. And um, so far, we've talked about what it, what it looks like to be an alcoholic in this book. And, and we're getting into page 32. So if you're on page 32 in your big book at home or here, uh, go ahead and pull that bad boy out. And we'll go ahead and start reading. Starting on 31. 
we're going to start on 31, as I'm being told, and that's, from, and that's from despite. That's what we agreed on. So despite, from where it says despite, on page 31, and then we'll begin the Q&A from page 32. No, we'll begin the Q&A in the, fir the last paragraph of 31 from we do not like. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. are not going to believe they're in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to that rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. <clears throat> Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, Never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitments to asylums. We could increase the lease ad infinitum. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. <clears throat> try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have had enough desire to stop while there is still time. We have heard a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period of time because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief, which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here's a man who at 55 years found he was just where he left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own power. We doubt if many of them can do it, because none will really want to stop, 
and hardly one of them, because of the pe peculiar mental twists already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they had found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers, who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their inability to stop. We, who are familiar with the symptoms, see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere. <coughs> but try to get them to see it. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own on our willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is a scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may, be, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the next day after making the resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. Um, we're going to go ahead and stop there. Um, normally, this would be the part where we'd be passing the microphone around for the question and answer format, but... Uh, we're not monsters. Yeah, so in, in, the, in respect for social distancing, uh, Chris and I are just going to go back and forth and uh, do the question and answer uh, format. Um, so we are starting the questions and answers on the last paragraph on page 31. Uh, so what do, we like, what do we not like to do and what can a person do? We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. What is the first test that is suggested he try? Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. What do they mean by controlled drinking? Try to drink and stop abruptly. How many times should he try this test? More than once. How soon will the real alcoholic know if he is one of us? It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. What price may be paid to learn the truth? It may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And starting with the next paragraph, uh, what do most alcoholics believe, even though there is no way to prove it? Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. What do these alcoholics lack that is essential for success in sobriety? The difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. Are some people successful in abstinence by their own willpower? We've heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. And here is one. Um, so we're going to uh, open this up for any, any comments on those last two paragraphs. I see, a, I see a hand in the back, so you can feel free to walk <coughs> up to that microphone as long as there's not somebody else up there. And, uh, yeah, make sure you're staying six feet from the aisles. Recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Everyone left when you coughed up there, by the way. <laughs> There's two people in the room now. Um, it's important for me to always remember when I'm at this part of the book 
that we've already read 30 pages, the doctor's opinions and the forwards. So it's not like we're, we don't know what alcoholism is. We know what it, where, what, it, what its symptoms are, what it looks like. This is just rehashing the information to help me decide beyond a shadow of doubt, am I one of these guys? And there may be times where somebody comes in and they've sincerely never tried to stop outside the rooms. There's people who come into the rooms who've never attempted to quit drinking or control their drinking, whether they just get a DWI or human, human resources sends the person in. They're, they're, they don't know what to do. So that's where this question, if, you, you know, if you're not sure an alcoholic, we have a test for you. It says, we do not like to pronounce any individual as an alcoholic. We do not like to. It doesn't say we can't, we mustn't, you shouldn't. It says we don't like to. As a sponsor, if I've been with this guy, this is our third chapter. I've been with these guys four sessions, probably eight to nine hours by now, one-on-one. I pretty much got it down whether they're alcoholic or not. And my job as a sponsor is to help them to determine in their own eyes whether they're one. So if that's me giving a little bit more information to help them reinforce to come up with their own conception, that's true. But if they're really not sure... It's important for them to find out. And the idea is with this little test we have here, by the way, this is Alcoholics Anonymous, not Heroin Shooters Anonymous or Crackheads Anonymous or, you know, overdosing on whatever you're on Anonymous. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. So this is, you know, don't go try shooting up. That's pretty much you're an addict, I guess, if you're shooting up. So don't worry about overdosing. But as an alcoholic, you know, what I tell my guys to do is, you know, get a buddy or somebody with an Uber and go down to my favorite place, the Bistro Las Olas, which is closed. And, you know, Thursday night, get a couple of Knob Creeks, about three fingers each. At, after the two drinks, pay your bill and go home, if you can. If you do, come back Friday night and have four Knob Creeks, three fingers. As soon as you're done with your fourth drink, go home, if you can. Saturday, go and have six of those things. Go home if you can. Now, if you can keep going home and stopping and going home and stopping, you're going to feel like you got hit by a truck on Sunday, but it's going to prove one thing. You haven't triggered the phenomenon of craving. If you triggered it on the first night, you're an alcoholic, test passed, don't pass, go. Second night, maybe it takes a couple of nights of heavy drinking to trigger that phenomenon. The whole idea of this testing is not to like try not to trigger the phenomenon. It's like, can I trigger it? Because if you can trigger the phenomenon of craving, you are an alcoholic. If you can't trigger the phenomenon of craving, you're not an alcoholic. And that's what the whole purpose of this is, is to help the people to decide, be in a reasonable doubt whether they're one of us. Because we got a few more chapters. It's going to have a lot of work. It's going to have a lot of soul searching. And it's, 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 it's difficult. And if you're not really convinced you're an alcoholic, you're going to do a half measures. And as we all know, half measures avail us nothing. nothing. So this is this opportunity to help that person decide beyond a reasonable doubt whether they're one of us. So that's what I just, I just love this part. You know, it just keeps giving us an opportunity to prove to myself I'm not one of us at the same time. Because if you're not an alcoholic, we're not trying to trick you into being here. This is for alcoholics. And if you're not an alcoholic, go away. Yeah, Thanks. we don't want to recruit you for our softball team. <laughs> Thanks, for, Thanks for sharing. She was coming up. I thought so too. Do we have any any more people that have had some experience with these last two paragraphs? Hi everybody, my name is Bill and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. Hey Bill. Hey Bill. <clears throat> this chapter is an interesting chapter for guys like me who wasn't an alcoholic when I came in here. Uh, but a lot of people thought I was, so they kind of ushered me in here 
It wasn't until I was here for a while that I realized I actually was. Such was my denial. But this chapter, I find, <clears throat> talks to me about alcoholism, you know, the, the physical manifestations of, of my drinking, you know, um, uh, the kinds of behaviors that, that I went through. But ostensibly, what the chapter is really about to me is the insanity of the drinking, more so than uh, the physical allergy, the, the craving. And it talks about the, the state of mind immediately prior to taking the first drink. You know, once I've been, been out there drinking and, and having all these strange bouts and strange experiences, uh, I come to the conclusion that, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't a good idea, and then eventually it sinks in that this is really a bad idea, yet I continue to do it. Um, I never really had the craving for alcohol, per se. Uh, I just wanted one more drink. It's not like I, I had to drink the whole bottle. I just wanted one more drink. Then the bottle was empty. The only time I really experienced the phenomenon of craving is when the bartender started flicking the lights on and off and yelling, last call. And then I went into panic mode. The, the, the things that, that this chapter points out to me is my condition, my, my living condition, if I don't have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. This is what happens. And if this is what's happening to you, maybe you need to consider a way to get off that treadmill. And it kind of motivates me to look further into the book because it sounds like these guys know something about what I've been experiencing. That's all I have. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. You know, I like the, uh, the idea of, of this experiment, right? Because... So, so my drink of choice uh, was double tall Captain Diets. That was what I drank when I went out. So I could go out for this experiment, right? And, I'll, and I'm going to have only two double tall Captain Diets, and then I'm going to go home, right? And I, I think that maybe the first night, maybe I could possibly do that. And then the second night, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to have four double tall Captain Diets, and then I'm going to go home. Well, that's probably not going to happen at that point. And then that third night, I'm going to go out and I have six double tall cap. If I'm going out and having six double tall Captain Diets, then I'm probably an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, then I probably need to start looking at some things. But by the time I get to day two, I'm not going to make it past day two of trying to do that, you know? Me either. Probably going to need something to wake me up, too. <laughs> did, did you want to step on up to the microphone there, Kev? Yeah, can you hear me? Is this, I don't have to get any closer. Okay. Um, Kathy, alcoholic. Hey, and I can say that today because I do have experience with this paragraph, and, and I believe in bringing your experience to the book and seeing how you're, how you kind of this this works for you in your life. So um, it talks here about, um, you know, if you're unclear about your drinking, like like uh, Mike said, you can step over to the nearest bar and try some controlled drinking. The idea of the physical craving once you take the first drink into your body um, and then you can't control the number of drinks it's really important for me i came into this program with a different 12-step program um, i ended up getting adopted into a day i was drinking a lot i never tried to stop drinking and even though i was drinking a massive amount there was no um, clarity in the drinking and i sat in these rooms for five years and i wasn't that comfortable and the program requires a absolute solid first step in order to move on and for most people, they can take a look at their drinking and they can see the physical craving, they can see the mental obsession, 
And if they're honest with themselves, they can see this. But the fact that I had never tried to stop drinking, this wasn't clear in my story. So after working with a sponsor for many, many months and, and looking at my story, there was no sign of a physical craving. So I was one of the very, very rare people that through prayer and meditation, working with a sponsor, got to the point where you know, I was working with very solid step people, I had to step over to a bar and try some controlled drinking. And um, it's a try it once, try it again. And that, at that time, they prescribed a, a way that we actually did it for 30 days, a couple drinks a day, no more, no less. Do you get a physical craving? And, and you know, within 30 days, it was assumed that that would happen. I definitely don't recommend this to most people, but my situation was unique. And I was willing to go to any lengths to concede to my innermost self that I was alcoholic. They talk about later on that you um, that people cross over this imaginary line and, and that um, lose control. And I like this line right here where it talks about... Um, uh, there's no way of proving it, but we believe that early in our drinking career, most of us could have stopped drinking. Well, I am actually proof of this because I passed the test and they sent me out to control and enjoy my drinking for a while, and I was able to. And, and you know, I wasn't an alcoholic, but that didn't mean I wasn't a potential alcoholic. And through understanding the physical craving, when I put alcohol in my body, a craving develops. I was able to keep an eye on the drinking over the years, and there came a point where that actually did develop way down the line. And all of a sudden, more bottles start showing up, more bottles, more bottles, and the drinks taking the drink. And, you know, there was a while of dilution and illusion, but eventually it was very, very clear that when I took a drink, I didn't control the number of drinks. In fact, I would try to control it, and it wouldn't happen. I'd try to control it, and it wouldn't happen. And in my case... Being willing to do that without any clarity in the first step actually did allow me to see the physical craving beyond a shadow of a doubt that once I do take alcohol in my body, I do crave alcohol and I am unable to control the amount of alcohol. And that gave me the solid platform for a first step along with the other parts of the first step. So it says here there's no way of proving it, but I actually was proof because it took 23 years. Thank you. That's for sure. Um, I do want to just also say that if anybody watching from home um, has had experience, they can feel free to leave any comments um, on the live stream, because I'm sure everybody would appreciate that. Um, but should we continue with the question, question and answer? Sure. Awesome. All right, uh, before we start the next paragraph, there's a comment. Uh, careful, carefully read the story of the man of 30 and learn six important facts about this thing called alcoholism. Uh, all right, so uh, what kind of drinker was he? A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. Uh, this is a two-part question. Uh, in what condition was he in the morning? What did he do to take care of that condition? He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. Um, note, have you found it necessary to have a few drinks in the morning? Uh, two-part question. What was his goal and what was defeating him? He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Why was this so? Once he started, he had no control whatever. Uh, comment, if he had no control once he started, was he powerless over alcohol? Um, and also, do you find any similarity here? Uh, what did he decide he really wanted to do, and what did he decide to not do? He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. And I have a note here. Have you ever decided that you would not touch another drop? Uh, what kind of man was he, and why was he so ex exceptional? 
An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. I have a note here. How long were you able to manage your decisions to stay bone dry after you decided never to drink again? And then was his life unmanageable from age 30 to 55? Uh, next question. Uh, did his 25-year period of sobriety pay off for him? Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Okay, um, so what did he do? Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. Comment, is chronic alcoholism a patient disease? The insidious insanity. Uh, was alcoholism still present after a 25-year period of abstinence? In two months, he was in the hospital, puzzled and humiliated. Uh, comment, we were told that alcoholism is a progressive disease, whether or not we continue to drink. Uh, did he try to control his drinking, and how well did he do? He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Uh, this is a three-part question. What measures did he take? Did he again decide to do what had proved so successful at age 30? And was he successful in managing that decision? Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. I have a comment, patient, permanent, and progressive. It will always be there just waiting, and it will always get worse, never better. Uh, next question. How many ways did he really try to stop and stay stopped? Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. How many attempts were successful? Every attempt failed. And then two-part question. Was he in good condition at age 55, and what did he do to stop drinking for good and all? Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. So we'll open up that paragraph to, uh, to comments, um, if anybody has any experience with, with that story. How you doing? Bill, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Bill. <clears throat> I uh, kind of admire this guy, uh, who being able to stop just for business reasons. Uh, I did that, sort of. Not quietly with the same aplomb that this guy did. Um, I started drinking when I was around 13-ish, uh, although I'd had some embarrassing bouts as early as grade school. And uh, But what happened was, you know, I started drinking all through high school and uh, et cetera. And then when I got to college, I, I really is when I really got introduced to things other than alcohol. And... Um, at that time, and I'm a, I'm a child of the late 60s, early 70s, and um, uh, it wasn't cool back then. It wasn't hip to be a juice head. So I gave up alcohol because I'm cool. You know, I'm hip. And uh, for a long time, uh, my focus was on other mind-altering substances. And uh, then eventually it became okay to mix them with alcohol. So I said, well, okay, I want to be cool. So I started mixing the two. And, uh, but, but there were several years there where I had given up alcohol completely. Um, but not for the same honorable reasons that this guy apparently did. The, the story of my drinking after that uh, is kind of long and treacherous. 
But all I can say to summarize is, here I am. I'm a recovering, recovered alcoholic. But uh, it's true what they say. Given a good enough reason, we can stop alcohol completely. In my case, it's because I had a substitute. It sounds to me uh, like this guy probably had developed the, the physical allergy, that phenomenon of craving uh, to drinking, but hadn't yet quite developed the mental obsession. Um, so, you know, like he says that once he started, he had no control, whatever, um, but he still had that choice of whether or not he wanted to start. Um, you know, I, I, I know that in my early drinking career, I definitely had that phenomenon of craving going on, but I also didn't have any desire to stop because the 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 alcohol was still working for me at that time. You know, it wasn't until it stopped working for me that I finally came to my senses and was like, I need to make a change and then realized I couldn't. Um, this guy, he had a reason to stop before, before that mental obsession started. Um, so he still had that power of choice, which a lot of us don't get coming into this. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing I find interesting about this is that he stopped, he stopped drinking for what, 25 years, right? And when he starts drinking again, it's not like his alcoholism started regressing, right? You know, it's just, it just picked up right where it left off. And it wasn't long before that mental obsession kicked in. And then he was dead within four years, you know, so powerful lesson. It sure is. And I've always thought of this chapter as like the story of the Christmas carol. We have uh, the ghost of Christmas past and present and future. And Scrooge is visited by these ghosts and they teach him things. And this is kind of like a roadmap. This chapter more about alcoholism is a roadmap to my own relapse. So when I'm reading these stories, we learn by stories. And I learn by stories from reading this with my sponsor. So there will come a time, if I'm an alcoholic, that I will think that my period of abstinence from alcohol qualifies me to take a drink. Hey, man, I've been living in a halfway for nearly six months. Like, I can, I can probably have a couple pints, you know? I mean, why? So... But that's the man of 30. So it's like, oh, my gosh. So when I spot this in myself, it's like, that's me. It's like, um, so I've always, I've always looked at these stories that way. And if my thinking matches up currently with any of these stories, then I, I'm probably in trouble. And I should probably talk to uh, a sponsor. I think we got a... Alcoholic, my name is Barry. Hey, Barry. Um, just taking note, you know, in this chapter, which, you know, the book was written 30, what, 71 years ago. And... It matches up entirely with relapses in, in my experience, um, you know, almost exactly. And it's a testament to the fact that it is progressive. It is ever-present and progressing uh, even when the alcohol is taken away. And the only thing that can combat that is, you know, seeking, developing, and nurturing that relationship with God. And we haven't even gotten into, you know, benefits of sponsorship at this point. Um, you know, every quality of this, this man of 30, you know, is something that I can, I can relate to. And without taking every single step thoroughly, you know, and conducting the nightlies and everything like that, then it will get you because it's never, it's never not going to be cunning. It's never not going to be baffling and it will never cease to have power. And, uh, I think never is, is a key word here. And this is stuff that was identified, you know, long ago when the book was written, but is certainly ever-present today. Thank you. Recovered alcoholic, Mike Chase. Um, it's important for me to remember where we are in the book, 
We haven't been presented with any form of steps yet. If you, you know, back in the days, you weren't peeking forward to know what the steps are. We're fresh to this. We don't understand the steps yet. We're sort of introduced to some stepish stuff in Bill's story, but we're still just trying to figure out what alcoholism is. And I'm a purist when it comes to alcoholism. I, I truly believe that alcoholism is physical based. That when we drink, you either have a phenomenon of craving because of the way you metabolize it. And the longer you drink, the more chance you have of building up a physical mental obsession. I started drinking at age six socially. I started drinking heavily at age nine. I started drinking alcoholically, a phenomenon of craving, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. But unlike a man of 30s, my friends weren't concerned about my drinking and said, Hey, Mike Chase, you know, when you drink, you get out of control. Perhaps you shouldn't drink. No, it was like, let's get Mike Chase drunk and see what crazy-ass shit he does tonight. It was, so they were doing this stuff. So the more I drank, the more crazy my behavior got. But I didn't get this, quote-unquote, mental obsession. Because from you know, grade school, junior high, high school, I could go three days, four days, five days, without really con- getting drunk or being concerned with it. It wasn't until I hit my 20s that I had done some really hardcore drinking in college. Uh, my last, last summer in high school caused... So, you know, I'm a true believer that the phenomenon of craving of the, the alcoholic causes the physical mental obsession. The more I drink, the more my brain sort of like rewires a little bit and causes that. So I was the boy of, nine, boy of 10 that if my friends had said, Hey, Mike Chase, when you drink, you really go up the tubes. Don't drink again. I probably never would have drank again until I retired, perhaps. And over time, my body ages, breaks down, pancreatic liver system. I start drinking again at age 50. My body can't, you know, metabolize it. I go into hardcore physical allergy reaction. My brain is kind of wishy and gushy at that age. Sorry, guys. But so the physical mental obsession comes in even quicker. And that's what we're trying to prove at this point. We're trying to prove the physical aspects of alcoholism. We get into the woo-wooism of you know, behavioral and stuff like that later on. But this is the physical aspects. We're going to get into the mental obsession in a couple pages. But I can relate to this because I drank alcoholically. But mental obsession kicked off years later, years later which is lucky. Thanks. Yeah, I had, I had a lot of periods of abstinence where I had the craving, and I would get very sick, like violently sick. I would drink so much that I would have alcohol poisoning, and then I would stop for like six months just because of how embarrassing it was. Like I would black out and throw up and then stop, and I'd be like, well, that, you know, I'm never doing that again. And then I would think that I made this decision to drink again, but really maybe it's just the obsession, you know? Huh. Should we uh, go on with the Q&A? All right. All right. Uh, are there one or more lessons in this story? This case contains a powerful lesson. What do most of us, what do most of us believe that he, that he also believed? Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. What did he find when he started drinking again? But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. What truth have we seen demonstrated repeatedly? We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. If we can manage to stay sober for a period, will it be better when we start again? Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in as short a time as bad as ever. 
Uh, note, if you were able to stay sober for a spell, was it better or worse when you started drinking again? Uh, if we really want to stop drinking for good and all, what is the condition that must be met? If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Um, are young people inclined to believe as he did when he was 30? Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. Next question is a three-part question. Will many of the young ones be successful in self-imposed sobriety? Will young folks really want to stop for good and all? And why will they be unable to stop even if they really want to? We doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired will find he can win out. And what did several young men discover? Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. All right, so we're going to open up these two paragraphs for uh, any, any comments. Yeah, I just want to point out the peculiar mental twist already acquired. This is talking about the progression, so we can all end up at different stages in the progression, right? So the man of 30 was able to stop drinking for 25 years, but maybe I have the obsession at 30 badly enough that I can't stop drinking for even a month, you know? And so that's why I think they always say, look for the similarities, right? Look for what's in common between us instead of the differences. It's like, well, because if, if I'm arguing with my sponsor while I'm reading this book, I could say, well, he didn't need a spiritual solution. He just stopped to get rich. You know, I'm going to go work in a phone room. But if I look for the similarities, I will see that, okay, I may have this peculiar mental twist already. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, this, I mean, this just really reminds me, though, of what we were talking about earlier and not to kind of take what Mike Chase was saying, but, you know, like, when I was starting out drinking, right, like, it was, like, that was the answer that I found to the problems that I, you know, I couldn't talk to people, I couldn't socialize with people, so drinking with people was the answer to that, um, and, you know, I did hang out with a lot of people that, you know, like, the things that normal people would consider to be, you know, like, wow, I can't believe you did that. Like, I get my DUI and I'm wearing it like a badge of honor, you know? Like, it's like, it's like a, a story to go down in the books, you know? Like, and it's, like I, you know, you know, one thing I really hate is Facebook memories <laughs> because sometimes I get just one of those Facebook memories and, like I, like, I know that at the time that that memory was posted, like, I thought it was hilarious. It was so great, right? Mm -hmm. But now I look at it and I'm like, I can't believe... That, like, I ever thought that way. Um, but, I mean, like, at that time, though, like, why would I have considered stopping? Like, when it was something that, like, not only, like, did it work for me, but it was something that, like, you know, it gave me a sense of purpose at the time because I felt like I wouldn't fit in otherwise. Mm. Um, so, I mean, like, it's just, it's just interesting. And, you know, eventually it did bring me to my knees, and I couldn't keep continuing that way. Um, so I had to find another solution. But... I don't know if that was part of my mental obsession that I, like, I just had myself convinced, though, that that was the answer. Even when it stopped working, that was the answer, you know? So I was going to figure out how to make that the answer again, as opposed to trying to figure out a way, another way out, yeah. you know? And that went on for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about your Facebook memories, I couldn't help but think about later on in the book when it says, these memories are a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my mother, when I got into uh, sobriety for real, she, she asked politely that I delete my entire Facebook and I, I obliged. She said, this is just a disgrace. And <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, I don't have Facebook anymore, but, uh, those memories were a nightmare. Right. 
So. Does anybody else have any experience with these last two paragraphs? Hey, Mark. I mean, the, the, the sprees are very relatable. I mean, uh, like, it, like even the man of 30 says he, he was doing a great deal of spree drinking. The way I look at it is he went on a one giant spree in those 30 years. He just got addicted to work, business, family, making money. Some people have 10 sprees they can go on during abstinence. This guy just had one. So he accumulated all these years. But, again, like, I hate to say this, but his disease was doing push-ups in the parking lot. <laughs> But, like, I just have a lot of experience with you go on these sprees and life goes on. Like, naturally, you get sober, you stop using, you stop drinking, life's going to get better. You're going to have more, you know, you're not going to have the problems that you had during drinking. You know, naturally, you're going to be able to maintain a job most likely, you know, uh, be able to handle your finances better. I mean, you're not going to have the consequences. So, like, based on my experience, it's like you can go – however many however long time abstinent and your brain will start or my brain will start telling me like you don't have this thing anymore hey you've had multiple years doing it this way you know you know you can handle yourself like a gentleman you know bring out the carpet slippers in a bottle so it's very relatable maybe you have one of those lurking notions one of those lurking <laughs> notions that someday yeah. you'll be immune to alcohol you know uh, should we keep going with the Q&A? We've got, I think, two more paragraphs. Why don't we? We can wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question is a two-part question. Uh, does, how long a person drinks have mu- does how long a person drinks have much to do with the helplessness of the disease? And does a person have a drink long and hard to become, does a person have to drink long and hard to become a hopeless alcoholic? To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. Does alcoholism treat women differently? This is particularly true of women. What could be said for potential female alcoholics? Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. What are certain drinkers astonished to learn? Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. What will those of us who are familiar with the symptoms of alcoholism see? We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. And there's an asterisk there, too. There is, but um, I also have a note in here to skip the first sentence of the next paragraph. All right, we'll read But it. the question goes along with it. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to ask the question. Please. Um, as we look back, what do we believe? As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. Um, What is the second test to learn the truth about alcoholism? If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. Um, Will real alcoholics be successful? If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. Next question is a two-part question. Can we be successful in the early stages of the disease, and what happens to us later on? In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remain sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though a person is able to stop for a period, what may be the case? Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. If a person fails to test, will he probably be interested in the contents of this book? We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Even though a real alcoholic may decide to quit for a year, how soon will most of them return to drinking? 
Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. And we'll open this up for comments. You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody that has gone to the bookstore to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous just because they heard it was a bestseller or that they were looking for a beach book. You know, like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you're sitting here going through the steps with a sponsor or if you're reading the book Alcoholics Anonymous, you probably already have maybe a notion that you might have an issue with alcohol, you know. So I think that that's a fair assessment in this, you know, to the people that this the contents of this book will, will appeal, you know, will find that they can't stop. It's like that old Jeff Foxworthy bit, right? If you, if you check into your treatment center and you got your big book because they <laughs> gave it to you in exchange for your insurance money, you might be an alcoholic. <laughs> we got to share. Kathy Alcoholic again. Um, I think this line is really important. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. You know, you go to so many meetings and you hear these long drunk logs, how many DUIs people have, how many times they've been in jail, how many cars they've wrecked, how much alcohol they've drank. The problem is that a heavy drinker can do all that too and not be an alcoholic. And I think a lot of times people coming into this program sometimes don't have that solid first step because they're listening to all these drunk logs and those people aren't even alcoholics. They drank a lot. It doesn't mean they have the physical craving and mental obsession. And then they come into the rooms, and they can just sit in the meetings, and they can go to meetings, and they can drink coffee, and they can stay in the fellowship, and they can stay sober. They don't necessarily need the program that's in our book um, to solve their problem. So when it says here to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some have. The key isn't how much drama and trauma around alcohol there is. It's do you have the physical craving and when you stop can you stay stopped i mean is something going to bring you back to that drink that mental obsession so i think that is a very important line in terms of just the core of why a lot of people don't get their first step and why they continue to relapse because it doesn't you don't necessarily have to drink those quantities or for that period of time to um be an alcoholic a real alcoholic thanks yeah thanks for sharing does anybody else want to share on these last few paragraphs or have any experience with them? You got one <laughs> running up from the back. Again, alcoholic recovered, Mike Chase. Am I the only person who hasn't noticed any isms in this chapter? You know, the, the isms of alcoholism or wisms or wisms, <laughs> that crap, whatever it is. Alcoholism is based on a physical allergic reaction. It's not based on how many DWIs you get. It's not based on how many divorces you've had, how many bad decisions you made, because not all of us have a traumatic issue. You know, alcoholism is based on how my body metabolizes and how I react to it. Some people have horrible stories when they come in here. Some people just got drunk a few many times and couldn't stop drinking. We have to stop basing and having people judging their alcoholism on the isms and wasms on and get back to what it's all about. Once you start drinking, can you stop? Can you stay stopped? Because I used to get drunk when I was in a good mood. I got drunk when I was in a bad mood. I would get drunk when it was sunny. I would get drunk when it was cloudy. Oh, matter of fact, my favorite one, what is, what is my main trigger? Consciousness. Maybe a little boredom. You know, it's like it, it, people have crappy lives, and some people drink because you know they, they suffer from the phenomenon of competitive drinking. 
They're hanging around people like me and they want to be manly and keep up with my drinking. Or perhaps they suffer from the phenomenon, have you met my wife? Because they don't dare go home sober because this beast they're married to or vice versa. Or they may even belong to the, you know, um, the social pressures of being in a frat and stuff like that. It's not the same as the physical phenomenon of craving that eventually leads to the mental, physical, mental obsession. Thanks. I used to drink because it was Tuesday, and then because it was Wednesday, and then because it was Thursday. Any day with Y. Yeah. Good. Yep. Yep. Uh, should we wrap it up? Oh, we got another share? Just a quick one. Sounds good. Bill recovered alcoholic. Yeah. You know, as Michael was pointing out, you know, uh, most of us drank for a, n- a number of reasons, whether we were happy, sad, or bored, or whatever, you know, just something to do. But uh, uh, Michael was also talking about why, why we quit. You know, I've worked with a number of people over the years, and I never had anybody that I work with who came in here and wanted to recover because they were having a good time and they were happy. Now, whether they have all the calamities that some of us have had, as Mike pointed out, is not really what's relevant. What I have found relevant, certainly in myself and with many people that I have worked with here in this fellowship, is that they're miserable. You know, I had a buddy who had an 80, 85-year-old mother who was a fall-down drunk. And, and he said, well, you know, she's old. She's going to die soon. Uh, why even bother, you know, trying to get her sober? And his name is Bill also. And I said, Bill, the reason is she's miserable. You know, she's really an unhappy person. Happy people, in my experience, alcoholics are not happy people. You know, when I, when I came in here, you know, I, I told you before, I, I didn't think I was an alcoholic, but I had a lot of, you know, resistance to that because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. But, but the one thing that really appealed to me when I would come to meetings is in the first step, it says, but our lives were, we realized our lives would become unmanageable. I knew that. I knew that I was miserable and I was desperate for some relief. And even though I wasn't convinced that alcohol was my problem, I knew I was miserable to the point where it was either die or do something. And I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. And so I was, I was desperate enough to try this program. And I think that a, that a lot of people ultimately try this program for that reason, the ones who commit themselves to it commit themselves, not because they got too many DUIs, not because their wife is going to leave them or they lost their job. I mean, that may be part of the motivation, but the people who really throw themselves into this program, I think are just freaking miserable. I know that was the case for me. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I I was reminded when you were talking, Bill, about the uh, We Agnostics, where it says alcohol is the great persuader. It beat us into a state of reasonableness. It's like we become open-minded through all the pain and suffering. And, uh, and then in There is a Solution, we learn, right, we're either going to blot out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we can, or door B is... Or A, misery and death, B, spiritual experience. Yes, you know? exactly. Accepting spiritual health. So why don't we go ahead and wrap up the, the right. study? Yeah, so um, from A Vision for You, page 164, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The, answer, the answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but you obviously could not transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. Um, it's the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. Uh, so do we have anybody presenting a sponsorship medallion tonight? I do have somebody to present with a medallion, and uh, I don't see them. Do you know where the medallions are? I, I got don't you. Know which container they're in. Uh, yeah, we could do the imaginary medallion if we, if we must. Oh, there you go. Good man. All right, so here. Okay. This is off camera. Grab the medallion. So this is for Bobby. Bobby is a gentleman that I met at... Okay. So uh, we started reading the book together. We have read through There is a Solution, and we're actually going to be reading more about alcoholism on Wednesday. Bobby. All right, well, next time. All right, is anyone celebrating a year or more of sobriety and would like a medallion? Nope. And does anybody need a big book sponsor? Nope. If you would like to become a member of this group, are we still able to take members with the new order of things? All right. Please join us after the meeting and fill out a membership card. Uh, could all home group members please raise your hands? Great. We'll see you right after the meeting to help take down the room. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, and we hope to see you next week. Uh, Thursday evening is our Alcoholics and God Step Series workshop. Um, that starts at 7.15, and we're actually doing the same thing that we are doing tonight. Um, we're going to be live streaming it, um, and that will be available on the Alcoholics and God Facebook page. So if you're not on that and you would like to be, uh, just search Alcoholics and God on Facebook, and the page will come up and just um, request an invite, um, and it will be approved. Um, but also uh, it will be available on the podcast as well at alcoholicsgod.org. Please wait until you are 75 feet away from the doors to vape or smoke. Um, let's close now with the Lord's Prayer. And also you can go on the balcony. Oh, and also uh, one last thing. Uh, next Monday um, we actually have a treat uh, for our big book study. We are going to have Doc, um, who was our Thursday night speaker, and Mike Chase uh, chairing up here for the Monday night big book study. So um, it should be... It should definitely be interesting. Um, but uh, all right, so let's go ahead and we'll close now with the Lord's Prayer. Just take a minute. Who can bring us from shame to grace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, heart is heavy, my soul is thirsty.
Just a lot of mine 
shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, shine, shine Let it shine Everywhere Michael Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. In my life, my 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. Everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart. Yeah. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. The fog is lifted, see the light, count my blessings when I go to sleep at night, and I dream now, yeah, I dream now, and everything's alright. <laughs> oh, man. Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Shut it up. 